0: Hello, this is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got a very exciting episode for you. Sounds like uh, our little theme song is uh, not kicking in. We'll see what happens there. But today we're going to talk about Hidden Night, a rare emerald green gemstone. Uh, we're going to talk about an ET diamond, an extraterrestrial diamond, a field trip that's going on this month. A green uh, or a Greek gemstone, a light blue gemstone. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about pegmatites, how they're formed. Um, we're going to talk about copper and so much more. We've got a little bit of fossil news and even more. So let's get right into it. I'm sorry the theme song is just not booting up today. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Oh, here it comes finally. <laughs> here it goes. I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils and minerals and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings. The first thing I found was a crystals, quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name felt good to have in my hand in the desert you can find lots of rocks cause radical rocks are everywhere for sure radical rocks are all over um deserts mountains beaches just about anywhere you can think of there is going to be some radical rocks um guys Check us out on social media if you haven't. Um, we've got a YouTube channel. Just look up Radical Rocks. We're going to show up. Subscribe, like. We appreciate it. Comment. We'd love to respond to your comments. We're on Gitter. Uh, that's G-E-T-T-R. We're on Parlor. We're on Facebook. We're on MeWe. And um, we've got a blog. And then, of course, you can tune in the podcast uh, anywhere that you find a podcast on an app, you will find Radical Rocks. We're usually the first ones that pop up. Hey, the Orange Belt Mineralogical Society sent out a field trip notice on January the 22nd. They're going to Wiley Wells to visit the cinnamon beds and the Hauser beds and jig uh, dig for geodes and thunder eggs. Now, you want to sign up for the trip because you want to know where the hot spots are. You can go and get the gym book and find out where the Hauser beds are and the potato patch and stuff like that, but good luck finding it. Also, good luck finding these other special spots that club members have identified. Um, They've got directions here. It's OBMS, the Orange Belt Mineralogical Society in San Bernardino, California. If you're going to be in that area on the 22nd of January, the Wiley Wells trip is one of the best trips of the year. Um, It's desert, so it's usually a lot warmer there than what you'd think, but sometimes there can be um, showers and stuff like that. The cinnamon beds are pretty cool. You should be able to find a bucket full of nice geodes and nodules with agate inside that varies from browns to reds to oranges to whites and chalcedonies with calcite crystals inside. A lot of these actually will... Um, glow a particular color under a fluorescent light. I'm not sure if it's a short wave or a long wave, but I have checked them out many times myself, and it is a lot of fun. Nature World News. Fossil remains found in Romania led to the discovery of a new pangolin species. What it looks like is kind of like an armadillo. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh my. I was uh, sick, not last weekend, but the weekend before, pretty sick, and uh, had a, a cold, and uh, I'm all over it now, but the it's kind of left some damage in the lungs, you know, that I got to recuperate from, but yes, this article about this interesting fossil here that looks like an art, some some kind of a cross between an armadillo and an anteater was written by Precious Smith at natureworldnews.com. You can check that out if you want, but uh, there are some really cool pictures here. They found fossil remains of this creature. It seems like uh, they found the scales, the scales of it, petrified scales from this beast. Very interesting. It's Europe's youngest Pangolin fossil. Um, The phrase, uh, according to the author, is uh, due to their research, and that's where they came up with this word, whatever it means. But uh, they said that uh, what's happened in this area is it shifted from a tropical and subtropical uh, locations as this creature traveled and migrated to Europe. Scientists think that these Pangolians lived in Europe for a brief period during the Pleistocene period. And they found a uh, a bone from the leg, I guess, the humerus bone. And this also has led to other discoveries and sites. And now they've found uh, quite a few bones, so they're really sure that it was there. This particular new species of what they call weird animal has only one bone. So I guess they're basing it on a lot. It could have been a mutant or something, you know, maybe a, uh, not a mutant, but a, you know... um a rare type of uh, of a, of a bone f- formation, not quite like others. It says pangolin fossils are rare, so scientists are quite happy about the discovery. As far as they know, this is the only uh, Pleistocene European pangolin fossil, and the youngest one ever found in Europe. They say that these could be a, up to a couple million years old, million to two million years old. Um, and they are thinking it must have lived all over. They did find quite a, uh, a pile of the little scales. Um, today, they are known as scaly anteaters. They're the most trafficked animal in the world with high demand in Asia and Africa and even the United States due to its food and distinct armor of scales. Um, there's only eight species of these right now. They are vulnerable, critical, and endangered, so they seem to be um, fairly rare, but uh, pretty interesting. They said over 12 tons of pangolian scales worth $38 million were seized in Singapore in 2019, uh, which represents about 20,000 pangolians. Between 2015 and 2019, there was 253 metric tons of these scales. Oh my gosh. So it's kind of sounding like they kill them for these scales and then they do something with the scales, maybe medicinal. They think it's medicinal or something. Pretty sad. But uh, these creatures have obviously been around since the beginning of time and uh, need to be uh, preserved and protected. They cannot just be uh, you know, used up like that. That's not good. All right. 10 rare and expensive gemstones we've gone over these lists many times before but let's take a look at this one haven't done it in a little bit nation um nation lk nation and you can read about it there um, of course they have uh, which is a beautiful gemstone but there is some four thousand minerals that naturally occur on earth and of course these are broken up into many different sub types but uh muscara uh gravite is one of the rarest of all minerals and um, it's found in a area of australia in about 1967. it looks like a shiny gray mineral but um, <clears throat> doesn't look like it's worth setting in jewelry but they have found uh, Some that are prettier than others. They found um, it in Antarctica, Greenland. Very hard to reach places. Very few crystals of musgravite can be cut and polished. But a few have been dug up. Um, They are grayish to olive green or slightly violet in color. But uh, one was discovered that had a small tube-shaped inclusion that reflected color with vivid iridescent. It can sell as much as uh, $35,000 for one carat for this plain Jane gemstone. Uh, Next on the list is Alexandrite. I've talked about this quite a bit. I love it because it has color changes. It was originally found about 1830 in the Ural Mountains of Russia. You can see it go green by candlelight, or uh, by day it is a a green, but by candlelight it can be deep red. This described uh, this caused it to be described as emerald by day, ruby by night, because of the red and green colors. The Russian imperial flag it gave the stone immense popularity in Russia. The color changes because of the way the crystal absorbs light and the way that our eye detects red and green lights. So uh, you can pay $70,000 a carat for a beautiful Alexandrite with good color change, good clarity and quality. Very hard to get one up to a carat. I have one that uh, I bought for my wife that's a third carat and it is quite spectacular and it actually has almost four color changes. It gives a color change in sunlight, A different one in like an iridescent and a different one in like a fluorescent. So it goes from a brown green to red. Quite beautiful. Bentonite was discovered in 1907. This was where gold was being struck and sapphire was being pulled out. And in the San Benito Mountains of California, they found this beautiful blue triangular-shaped crystal that is one of the rarer stones around. Uh, If you find these a large size of a (laughs) carat, very hard to find one that big, can cost you $8,000 per carat. Grand diorite is a rare and exotic gemstone. This is one of, the, of a very rare minerals that um, appears different colors depending on which direction you look at it. It can look dark green, colorless, dark blue. Very many hues will show up just by turning it. This is because of the atoms and the lattice crystals that are in it. Sorry, I had to have a swig of coffee there. It was discovered in Madagascar in 1902. Very beautiful gemstone. Um, Most of this gemstone is kind of opaque and misty, but there are some clear examples that pop up. Uh, There was a nice discovery since 2015 where some granderite appears on the open market of high quality. Only 300 carats of clear granderite have ever been produced. It sells for up to $50,000 for one of them, but the biggest one... Uh, actually, was 0.29 carats the first gemstone quality one that sold for fifty thousand. Now, serend serendibite is eighty, uh, excuse me, ninety thousand dollars a gram. This uh, serendibite was discovered in two thousand and or excuse me, nineteen oh two, Sri Lanka and has been written for an old, uh, written or described or named as the name of that part of the country, Surrenderbite. There are only three faceted Surrenderbite gems that are known to exist. They fetch about $14,000 per carat when they were sold, which was last in 2005. Some Surrenderbites are a dense black, but others have been found that are a dark blue, grayish, pale, green or brown now punderite boy this is a hard one pound retite pound teite is something that was recently identified and because before that it wasn't identified now these tiny crystals of pound were found in 1986. The beautiful pink crystals they never thought would turn into a gem because of their minute size. But in 2000, a remarkable stone was found, a rough crystal pulled from the earth, but already cut and polished uh, gem. It was found in Burma. It weighed 9.5 carats, no poendertrite this large has ever been discovered before and let alone been turned into a finished gemstone. So it is flawless. Uh, It is a pale pink hue. And who knows how much they would even sell that for. But uh, it says you might have to pay for one of these gemstones where there's just a little tiny fragment of it inside of it. You would have to pay like $5,000 for a carat of that type of stone. But it wouldn't be a full carat of that mineral. It would be just a a couple of the little cones within it. That large one that we talked about is now at the Smithsonian Institute. Jadeite. Boy, jade is beautiful. Jadeite uh, is beautiful. Nephrite is also nice, usually used for carving. Uh, Nephrite is... Prehistoric, uh, just as jadeite is. Jadeite's much harder. China has high value for jade. Imperial jade is the beautiful green jade that almost glows. We talked about jade quite a bit. It's found several places around the earth right now in, I believe it was uh, Guatemala. Guatemala, there's some really nice jade that they used to dig up back for the Aztecs and stuff like that in those days that is also real pretty. It can vary in colors from purple to white to blue, greens, opal. Uh, green jade is the most highly prized in most civilizations. In 2014, a necklace made from 27 vivid emerald green jadeite beads was sold at auction for $27.4 million. Well, I've got some jade on if you want to buy some, and I'll sell it to you for only a million dollars. All right, despor meanings, benefits, and spiritual properties. Discovering a new type of gem takes a lot more um, than accident. So in 1970, in a mine in Turkey, they were digging up these annoying impurities. They were using these mineral ores that were helpful for aluminum, and they found these bxite I'm not sure how to pronounce the, uh, that one, but they were getting these crystals that were in there, and then they found this diaspore, which was mixed in it. They would pick them out so that the exite would be pure, and they would have this great aluminum. Little did they know that those were very expensive and rare gemstones. The diaspore had been discovered in 1801, but no examples that could be faceted had ever been found then the deposit in Turkey, they found so much, they begin to market diaspora and supplying the jewelry market. It is under trade names as Otamantite, Zultanite, and cassarite. Gems are green, orange, and red can be found throughout the world. They don't give us a price on that. Um, Taephite. This is also, more valuable than diamonds, it we know spindle is property uh, is 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 good for jewelry. Spindle's highly prized. It has been mistaken for certain gemstones. Been mistaken for rubies because of the beautiful red. The Black Prince Ruby that sits in the British Crown Jewels today is actually spindle. So this mineral was actually thought to be. Uh, itself. In 1945, Count Edward Charles Rich Taffy bought some of the gemstones, including one that was said to be spinel. discovered that it was an entirely new mineral, so they named it in his honor, Taffy. The mineral remains identified uh, today and is in an already cut stone it can sell for over a thousand dollars a carat. If it is richly colored and clear, it can reach fifteen thousand dollars for one carat. Mellow, mellow pearls. Not all gems are are gemstones from the earth. Some are organic. For thousands of years, pearls have been highly collected. People culture curl, uh pearls by implanting a grain into an oyster. And then harvest the oysters. Not all pearls come from oysters. Some marine snails also form pearls. They do this as a way of protecting themselves from irritants. The mellow mellow is a very large sea snail native to Southeast Asia. When something gets caught inside the shell, it secretes layers of calcite and aragonite over it, which look quite different from common pearls. This, over years, can form a huge pearl, and if you find one, it can be worth a fortune. While most ordinary pearls are tiny, the pearls of Mellow Mellow can be centimeters across. They are harder than other pearls and can have a range of color. The most sought-after pearls are creamy orange with flame-like patterns across their surface. Because of the rarity of the Mellow Mellow Pearl, you could have up to $70,000 in auction for an especially spectacular mellow, mellow pearl that came from a snail. Very interesting. All right, next. World's earliest fossils of flower beds and flower buds, I should say, discovered by Li Ying, Chinese Academy of Science, Physics.org, they have some beautiful fossil displays of these beautiful flower buds that have been preserved forever in the fossil record. They have found this entire area, uh, Jurassic Inner Mongolia, China, earliest fossil record of flower buds in the world so far, they say. And uh, you can check these out. Previous plant fossils were often preserved fragmentally leading uh, the plant botanists to try to, to discover what they are and, and maybe not knowing what they are, but this, because they're so complete and so nice, they can see better what varieties these are related to. Celebrities are obsessed with healing crystals, and here's why. graziadaily.co.uk gives us a whole article here on why the celebrities are getting infatuated with crystals and gemstones. Um, Gwyneth, I guess it's Gwyneth uh, Petro and Katy Perry are big on these gemstones, jades, and other minerals, rose quartz, uh, jade rollers, and uh, amethysts. Wishful Rose Quartz, Peel Off Masks, all these products made with gemstones as well are quite the craze. Kim Kardashian's perfume line is inspired by her healing crystal journey. Uh, So many of these uh, actors and actresses have become infatuated with the mystic of Carnelia Power, Clear Quartz Energy, um, all kinds of things here. This article goes into some of this information. Sounds like they're just looking for uh, a new type of religion because they really don't care for traditional religions at all. So I think they're just trying to fill that void. Makes sense. Now, petrified poop, fossilized poop discovered at the Calvert Cliffs, If you go to ChesapeakeBayMagazine.com, you can find out about this poop. Um, (laughs) The Calvert Marine Museum is studying a surprising aspect of the fossil record, prehistoric poop left behind more than 8 million years ago in southern Maryland. The findings are published in the International Paleontology Journal, it's unprecedented this poop, I guess this poops this some of this crap's worth a lot of money, and uh, they'll probably take it down to the Turd Museum, and uh, they have found fossilized skulls with the poop, uh, worms in the poop, dead fish in the poop, and pellets from worms and fish. Wow, this is just a great article. Um, <laughs> maybe not. But anyway, something in Maryland, and uh, they found a turtle shell. They found uh, partially eaten corpolites with corpolite-filled skull. Copolite, so poop, a poop-filled skull. Wow, great. Okay, that was a real winner. Tucson is happening. Uh, Tucson Gym Fair are happening, but without ICA and AGA events. Robert Bates tells us about this at jckonline.com. He's got a beautiful picture of one of the saguaro cactuses there and says that uh, they've called off their visit to the Tucson Mineral and Gym Show, which is January 23rd through the February the 2nd, I believe, it says February 2nd and 3rd online. You can see AGA Virtual Tucson Conference, but doesn't look like they're going to be there. So uh, it's going to be a good show, yeah, with or without them. Hopefully you can make it. Also, I've talked a lot about the gym shows out in Quartzite. Ancient Greek artifacts don't have to be large to impress. Take this tiny Carved gemstone, in the Canterbury Times dot com dot au, Lily Withencomb curator has a picture of this gemstone, and when you look at it, you see that it's very finely carved. There is a winged goddess here. She has uh, something in her arms that uh, could represent a soldier. She has shields, things of this sort. When you read the article, you find out that this beautiful gemstone carved out of this blue chalcedony about 350 to 300 BCE, the ancient Greeks were able to carve these beautiful pieces. This piece was very tiny, 3 centimeters in height and 2.5 centimeters in width about the size of an olive. And yet they were able to carve these fine details in this stone. Really impressive, guys, what they could do back in the day. These stones uh, were used sometimes in signet rings to sign paper or prove who you were. They usually were of gods of war or power. This one uh, is... uh, showing Nike, uh, offering something to Zeus after the battle. Um, And people really love these gemstones. They belong in uh, museums, typically, where you can see them. Quite gorgeous, this carving. All right, next. An enormous extraterrestrial diamond comes to auction. The world's largest faceted diamond to come to auction is More Than Just a Jewel by Jill Newman at townandcountrymag.com. She shows us a video here and pictures of this amazing, looks like a dark, dark, smoky quartz crystal, but it is, they say, an interstellar diamond that blasted to Earth from either a supernova explosion or a meteor. It's a whopper. 555.55 555.55 carats. You got to use your whole hand to hold this thing. It's called the Enigma. The Enigma diamond is too large to wear, but it does make for a great conversation piece. They feel that this uh, carbonondo black diamond was from billions of years ago. The GIA. Report says this unique diamond contains traces of nitrogen, hydrogen, which is abundant in interstellar space. As osbronite, a mineral exclusively found in minerals in meteors, this is what they said confirms it did not come from Earth. The Enigma diamond is valued between 4 and $7 million, but could go higher because of its record-breaking size and its history. This will be offered at Sotheby's online February 3rd through the 7th, and they will accept cryptocurrency. So if you've got millions and millions of crystal of uh, cryptocurrency and money, you're going to want to buy this thing and put it in your collection. Um, I think I would like to uh, put it around my neck and have it embedded in my forehead. And uh, yeah, that'd look great, wouldn't it? All right. Jewelry Designs, our friends at Fowre, uh, Fire Mountain Gyms, um, not a sponsor of the show, but they send out these newsletters, and they have ideas, single-strand necklace and earring set with banded amethyst gemstones, beads, and wire work, and they'll give you the instructions on how to make this. It looks pretty simple, a little bit of wire working here, um, they say you could use a chasing hammer, some pliers, a bent nose a chain nose plier, and a round nose plier, and a flush cutter. You could probably get by with a little less than that, but if you want to do it really good, and then they give you the whole list of what you need. Just a few beads, um, some silver wire, some chain, um, copper wire, you got a little piece of copper in there, and boom, you're on your way to making this very beautiful jewelry, which has this interesting spiral design for the earring, And then um, same thing for the necklace. Kind of looks like a fish almost, um, for lack of a better thing. And they always have some great ideas that you can incorporate in your lapidary or you can get into beads and stuff like that. Did you know that Saudi Arabia has at least 5,300 mineral locations? According to Hayeksa at the X. I-N-H-U-A-N-E-T dot website. You can read about these minerals that are in Saudi Arabia. They are wanting to develop these minerals and there's actually there was a pretty good gold discovery over there according to one company but uh, we could see minerals coming out of this area because they are talking to the Arab Mineral Resources Ministry and looking at working on this super-rich region that stretches from Africa to Central Asia. This area is rich in mineral resources. There's all sorts of opportunity for exploration and development. This is what they are saying. So we'll have to see if some nice gemstones come out of that area or not. All right. So our next subject, copper. Copper. Copper this comes from the gold rush expeditions they sent me a wonderful magazine called the miners review it's uh issue two volume one came out in fall 2021 and uh about halfway in there by jay schumann he has done an article on copper that is uh, pretty cool now uh, you can subscribe to the Gold Rush Expedition Incorporated, um, to their emails. They sell a lot of claims, mining claims, and they'll even send this magazine out if you request it at no charge. So they tell us here that copper has been around for thousands of years. Copper is the top three most consumed metal in the world next to iron and aluminum. Of course, we use it for electronics and for... um, medical equipment and cars and batteries and everything else under the world. Mining copper is, it's abundant, but it is a process. Um, Once you obtain copper, it's always in big demand. I think copper's been at a top price right now. Some people actually buying copper in bulk and saving it. Maybe the poor man's gold, right? Copper uh, deposits are increasingly... And incredibly deep underground mining methods must be utilized. Copper is found either as oxide ores or sulfite ores. Both types can be economically mined but require different processes. Sulfite ores are crushed, causing copper minerals to be released from the sulfites. That crushed compound is then froth-floated. Froth-floating is a process where sand and water and chemicals are added to the crushed ore, causing the copper particles to become water repellent. Air bubbles are then added to the mixture, causing the copper to attach to the froths and float to the surface. The froth uh, solution is thickened into a concentrate and ready for smelting. Smelting is a process that creates a pure form of copper called anode slabs. The final step of achieving 99.9% copper from sulfite ores is electrolysis. The anode slabs are converted to cathode slabs, which are 99.9% pure in this final step. There's also copper oxide ores. They are processed differently with sulfuric acid to separate the copper from the ore, This is called heap leaching. The copper is removed from the leach to the solvent, which removes the impurities. Uh, extractation is the final stage that passes electrical currents through the solution that positively charges the copper ions. The copper ions can then be placed into a cathode. And through the sulfide and oxidized ores, um, these things can be economically mined. At least people are still buying copper. We know that much. And the sulfite ores are more profitable because they usually have higher copper content. On the other hand, copper oxide is more abundant. Either way, you can't go wrong with a copper mine. Chile currently has the largest documented copper reserves, is a top producer of copper. In 2020, they made 20 million tons of copper. They produced it and sold it globally. In 2021, copper hit an all-time high of 4 dollars and 90 cents a pound of course recycling copper is another way of retrieving copper Uh, it's worth about 90 percent its original value in 1990s 550 tons of copper was produced because so much was being um you know recycled copper in industry Again, it's very malleable. It has a good electrical um, bases and properties, so it could be used for all these things. It also has an antimicrobial property. I don't know if you knew, but silver has a high antimicrobial properties as well. That's why you see people selling these rags that are saturated with microscopic pieces of silver in them, and they actually do kill um, germs and bacteria and stuff like that i guess but copper is very similar to this it's an antimicrobial um, just as silver is um, copper is is works even dry they say where the silver works better when wet to release its uh, antimicrobial effects copper can do it dry um, it can kill the microbes from coughing, sneezing simply by touching the surface it comes into contact with because ions are released from the copper, killing the microbes. Wow. Maybe we should be wearing copper suits uh, instead of getting these uh experimental shots and everything else. Uh article goes on to talk about some other thing else that's going on. MRSA found on copper surfaces was killed within 20 minutes. I don't know if you're familiar with MRSA, but MRSA is a horrible uh, uh, bacteria that uh, it just you can't kill it. I mean, I don't think bleach even kills it. It's very, very hard to kill. It gets in hospitals, and people get infected with it, and it just destroys their organs. And uh, when they get it, they have to report it. They have to test for it, and it's very, very expensive for them to deal with copper uh, or with uh, this MRSA. So copper could be a great way of dealing with it. Throughout history, um, copper has been used in all sorts of medical ailments. the article goes on to say, dating uh, back um, to the beginning of time, it seems. Copper was first referred to by the Smith Papyrus between 26 and 22 BCE. Copper was used to sterilize chest wounds and drinking water cure headaches and eliminate epileptic seizures, heal burn wounds and stop itching and slow neck growths. Okay, so if you are getting a neck like a giraffe, you better get some copper. (coughs) All right, sorry, coughing again there. Got to have a little coffee. Um, Copper mining became quite popular in the 1800s during the... (coughs) The Great Industrial Revolution of uh, America and of the world. Copper mugs and Moscow mules. Uh, they talk about the Moscow mule is known to be the best served in a copper cup. This drink, the Moscow mule cocktail, they give you the ingredients right here. It says you need uh, 45 milliliters of knife vodka. You need 120 milliliters of ginger beer and 10 milliliters of fresh lime juice. And you put that in a copper mug, and I guess nothing beats it. (laughs) All right, what else? So now you know the history about the Moscow Mule. They tell you more about it here if you want to find out more about the Moscow Mule. In conclusion, the article says that copper is an amazing, versatile metal that has been used for centuries for fun and function one might say copper is worth every penny but I'm bump all right guys i hope you really enjoyed today's episode um we do a lot uh we go through a lot of articles that are not really good and uh sometimes we share them with you anyway <laughs> but some a lot of them we weed out and we try to keep stuff that's interesting and entertaining and educational we hope you appreciate that and you come check out some of our social media and support that. Until next time, remember, rockhounds don't die, they petrify.